All right. We, we've spent the last two times looking at the story of Joseph, with it, which is, it's a lot of chapters. Um, it, it, it's just a, it's just an awesome, uh, awesome story. And really, you know, I, I kind of wanted to start Exodus. Exodus is, is as amazing as Genesis, maybe even more so in my heart. I don't know, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to, um, finish I had a, there's a few loose ends I just wanted to tie up from Genesis tonight this might go a little bit shorter than usual um, and 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 just so I can kind of start next time with Exodus with a clean clean slate so um, this is this is kind of ties into the story of Jacob or the story of Joseph I'm sorry too but there's really just a few things I just wanted to point out because most of which we're going to see them again one one of them is just that uh, Jacob before he dies at the very end let's see here I'm reading out of Genesis 47 29 it says when the time drew near that Israel must die he called his son Joseph and said to him now if I found favor in your sight please put your hand under my thigh and deal kindly and truly with me because uh, please do not bury me in Egypt now remember Egypt Egypt is this land that it's it's kind of interesting because it, it kind of has a, a couple of different roles it, 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 in in when it's describing um, Joseph's greatness and his uh, his preservation of the seed and the giving of seed and the salvation of all who are starving and hungry and looking for food. Egypt is kind of presented as this as this land of um, that it kind of represents like this huge kingdom, this great thing. However. In most of, uh, I have a cold here, so if I sound kind of froggy and sniffly, I'm sorry about that. Um, in most of, well, the entire book of Exodus, and, and, and pretty much the rest of, I'm trying to think if there's an exception to this, but pretty much I think the rest of the Old Testament, Egypt predominantly plays the role or paints a picture of this land of... This land of slavery and death to which the people of God, in which the people of God do not belong. I mean, I mean they, they, they're born there. They, they belong there by nature, but it's the land out from which they come. It's the land, it's the, it's the first man, it's the first creation, it's the first covenant. It, it's it's where, they, where they're required to produce something that they cannot um it's it's like um you know I, 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 i'm just thinking ahead to i think it's um i'm not really sure exactly where i think it might be exodus 9 or 10 where pharaoh requires them to produce bricks without straw that's what it's like to be in the slavery of the the old man he doesn't even have so so you know remember that story pharaoh says pharaoh says go on out and uh you know i'm not going to give you straw for these bricks anymore go on out and look wherever you can find it whatever whatever you can do to get it you can try but your quota is not going to be reduced in, in in the slightest bit and so here you have this this uh this people that are that that have a requirement that they literally cannot 
they cannot meet. And they're having to look within themselves. They're having to look within their own resources, their own uh, beings for um, f- for for the way to produce this thing that's impossible. And that's exactly, the, I'm mentioning that because that's exactly what the kind of slavery is in the natural man. We, we don't have the resources to, there's a commandment, but it's unreachable. There's, a, there's, a, there's an obligation or a requirement from God, and yet it is, uh, it, it is, is unreachable. And so, and the only, the only place that we can look in our, in our uh, you know, to, to produce this thing that's required of us is within our own resources. We go around, uh, you know, trying to, trying to, to please the master with nothing but what we have in our own possession. And, and as just like the Israelites, not only do they fail, not only is it a slavery without hope, it's a slavery that, that, that ends up with punishment. The, the, the Egyptians are, 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 yeah, they're whipping the, they're whipping and beating the, the uh, the Israelites for not being able to produce, see, see not being able to, to to produce what they don't have in themselves to produce. That's what the law was. That's what that's what the condition, the natural condition of man is. And and what's grace? Grace is not. The, I mean, the, the coming into a covenant with God is not the removal of the requirement at all a lot of people talk about grace as though god is just not god's lowered his standard god's accepting less that's not true at all grace is that god gives you the thing and works in you the thing the one the life the nature the light the righteousness he gives you the thing that he requires and you can see that again in pictures you know and and types and shadows in the old covenant because as soon as they come out of egypt they come out and God gives them everything necessary for them to offer him what he desires. They didn't have to go find all the material to build the tabernacle. God handed it to them on the way out of Egypt. You know, all the gold and silver and precious stones and the fabrics and everything. The, the, the Egyptian people were throwing it at them on their way out, the, uh, you know, giving it to them freely in fear on their way out of Egypt. God didn't require that they somehow, uh, you know, come up with the animals that, produce, that, that were offered in the sacrifices and offering, offerings. He was always the source. He was in, in that covenant. He was always the, or in, in covenant with God, God provided what he required. Now, I understand that under, under the law, inwardly, they did not have, and that's what, ha- that's what, they did not have what God required, but, and that's what changed in the new covenant. But just to look, kind of stepping back and looking at the two kinds of uh, slavery here, the slavery in Egypt was this hopeless condition where these people are governed by the law of sin and death, trying to produce something that they simply don't have the resources to produce. And and then they come into the covenant of God where everything that God requires, he also provides. Now that's ultimately only really true in the new covenant where the righteousness that God requires works in you by the spirit he gives you Romans 8 chapter 2 3 and I mean chapter 8 verses 2 3 and 4 that but what man could not do because of the weakness of the flesh God did and what did he do well he fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law in us 
when we walk by the spirit and not by the flesh. But I don't even know why I'm talking about that. Oh, because, um, because there's there's a slavery <clears throat> that's represented generally by Egypt, and 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 Jacob. Jacob doesn't want to be. Um, he doesn't want to be buried in that land. He doesn't want to be. He wants to be buried, so to speak, in the land that represents Christ. He wants to be gathered to his fathers, awaiting the resurrection, awaiting the natural land of Israel to turn into the spiritual fulfillment, which was Christ. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? They didn't. When 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 the patriarchs died. It didn't just say they died, you know. It, it doesn't just read, and then Joseph, you know, uh, whatever, breathed his last and, 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 and croaked or something. It says he was gathered to his fathers. And where was he gathered to his fathers? He was gathered to them in death. He was gathered to them in a very specific cave that was purchased in a land that they did not yet possess. And so, they, they, they. You remember this story? I don't know if we even talked about that when we went through. Oh yeah, we did. When he buried, uh, when Abraham buried his wife Sarah, remember? Uh, he, he, he. We talked about that whole picture of burial there, and that's where Abraham buys this this cave, and he and he puts her in it, and then he's eventually buried there by his two sons Isaac and Ishmael, and then and then and then the patriarchs just start start being being brought back to the cave and what what I see there at least is that they're being they're being buried in the sh in the type and shadow of that promised land awaiting awaiting the reality awaiting the substance in fact if you go to um uh Hebrews chapter 11 13 and then 39 I think these all died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For, such who's, uh, for, for those who say such things make it clear that they're seeking a country of their own. And if indeed they had been thinking of the country out from which, uh, fr from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return, but as it is, they desired a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. And so he talks about Abraham goes out, Isaac, and 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 then later on it says in verse thirty-nine, all of these, all of these, I like the new King James better here, having obtained a good testimony through faith. The New American Standard, which is usually I like usually like it, it says having gained approval. That's not at all what that word in Greek means. It's, a te it's the word testimony. What they became by faith was a testimony, a good testimony of things to come. And but they did not. Verse thirty nine. All of these having obtained a good testimony by faith did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. And when did that happen? That happened in the resurrection, where the dead, though unsleeping in faith, the ones sleeping in the land that represented Christ, the ones who had been gathered together into that death, woke up in the, the greater resurrection, the better resurrection. It talks about that in that same chapter, Hebrews chapter 11. So they slept. They slept in faith. And I don't know exactly what that means or how to describe that or what or, or why in the world Saul's 
you know, witch called up Samuel from, well, you know, why did you wake me up? Or kind of, I, I, the whole story is kind of confusing. But the, the point is, they died in faith and they were gathered into death. They were gathered into the same cave. They were gathered into the same, same reality. Please do not bury me in Egypt. Bury me in the land that represents Christ, the land of rest, the land where I, where, where Israel eventually ends up going into and doesn't have to dig their own wells because they're already dug, doesn't have to build their own cities because they're already built, doesn't have to plant their own vineyards because they're already planted. It's, it's a land that is Christ made unto you all things. It's a land where, where there is, is victory and increase and, and harvest and all these things that are pictures of Christ. They go in and, and, uh, and I'm kind of getting off tra track here, but I, I just want to point out what, what I'm trying to point out here is the way that you're gathered to Christ is in his death. The way that you the way that you join yourself to Christ is not in life first, it's in death. First you are crucified with Christ. First you are baptized. This is Romans 6. Do you not know that all who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his life? No, it says baptized into his death, so that even as Christ has raised, we can walk in the newness of his life. But the place where you're gathered, and, 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 and this is what, what the, I think the pictures here are showing us, is that they're all gathered into the same death, all gathered into the same uh, cave, and for them, that involved a, 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 a sleeping a sleeping. Now, and I don't know how much I should get. None of this is really in my, in my notes. I just it's kind of popping in my head. Sleeping is the condition, is a word that's used um, specifically with reference to old covenant believers that died in faith. When the New Testament, even when Jesus says, you know, Lazarus is sleeping. You know, and they say, well, if he's sleeping, he'll get better. And he says, no, no, no. No, no, let me try to say that again. Lazarus is dead, okay? But sleeping is a word that's specifically used to refer to the, um, the, the, the dead before Christ's resurrection who die in faith and await life coming, the life that they are joined to that came out of the grave, the life of Christ given to all those who had died and slept. slept in, other words, anyway, in other words, sleeping doesn't just mean death. It's a specific, it's a specific thing. And that's why Paul later in 1 Corinthians 15 says, look, we're not, well, that's another thing, but we don't all sleep, you know. Um, because there's, my point is because there's no more waiting. You know, now you die, you don't sleep. Now you, you, you know, your body dies, and you've already been in Christ, and and your your body goes back to the earth, and and your your soul continues on in Christ forever. But that was not the condition until the resurrection. That was not the that was not possible. That's why Jesus says in John three, nobody has entered into heaven. Nobody, except the son of man who came down from heaven. He didn't say except Job and Elijah and David 
and a couple other guys. No, he didn't say that. He said nobody has ever been, because heaven, because the ladder that Jacob saw, the ladder out of the one realm into the other is the cross, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And until that was established, until the one, until the one man and the whole, and that covenant and that creation was baptized into the death of Christ, judged of God, and then a bloody door was opened for all souls who wanted to leave, and until the Red Sea was parted, so to speak, until the, 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 the way that God provi provided was opened, nobody could enter into that life, that realm, that union with God that is called heaven and why might oh because I'm I keep I keep getting kind of sidetracked and confused what I'm talking about but I, I'm still I guess I'm still trying to talk about the cave thing they're gathered into his death we are now we now we don't have to sleep but we do have to die with him we don't have to wage but we do have to be baptized into his death buried with him we do need to be crucified with christ you have died and your life is hidden with christ in god we do have to enter into that death to come out in the newness of his resurrected life and so we too are in a sense gathered all into the same cave. Where do you you know? Remember, we've drawn that picture before, where Christ comes down, comes into the earth, and goes into the goes into uh, the the the, the well, goes to the cross, and then goes into the cave. Incidentally, goes into the tomb, which was a cave, um, and then comes out of the cave. And most people, when we think about being joined to Christ, we think about being joined to him on the resurrection side, but the truth is that we're joined to him on the death side. We're baptized into his death. When when I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. You know, when one died, all died. The, the, the scriptures abound with this reality. We just usually don't know what it means. And and so we, we don't talk about it very much. But we we're, we're joined with him in his death. We're, we're, we're brought into this one death. And I, and, I, and I see that in the cave. And not only here, you know, there's a lot of verses. Um, there's a lot of cave verses throughout um, scripture. I think I jotted down some here. Let's see here. Yeah, well, uh, well in, in, later on in Genesis 49, he says... I'm about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that's in the field of Ephron the Hittite. Um, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, uh, which is before Bamra in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought along with the field from Ephron the Hittite for a burial site. Well, that's kind of a... That's kind of a... Uh, uh, I mean that, that's that's along the lines of the same story we're talking about. But then uh, later, in in First Samuel, do you remember um, Samuel? I mean uh, Samuel anoints David. David's the true king of Israel, and yet there's another king that's reigning in the land. And Samuel, or I'm sorry, Saul persecutes David and tries to kill him. And David ends up fleeing to a cave, and 
And yet, and and in this cave, I see the exact same thing. It just it represents it represents death. But there's others that go out to David, and they become, they they, they gather together to David in the cave, and. They're, they're, in other words, they're joined to him in that death, that rejection. They, they're, they're joined to him there, and then they come out as this mighty band of 400 men that grows and becomes several thousand, and then he's the king over Judah, uh, the one tribe, his his tribe, uh, and then he ends up you know, becoming king over all of Israel. But, but I wrote down this verse here, 1 Samuel 22, verses 1 and 2. So David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all of his father's household heard of it, they went down there to him. I like how it says that. It doesn't say they went down, you know, to the cave. or They went down to him. And everybody who was in distress and everybody who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to him at that cave and he became captain over them and they were about 400 men first Samuel 22 again a picture of that that cave a gathering unto death being gathered into the death of Christ and then he comes out as the and in the stories of these mighty men it sounds almost fictitious I mean it sounds you know this you know it talks about one guy you know went down in a pit and killed a lion on a snowy day and then another guy um, you know slayed 100 Philistines with a javelin and then another guy and it tells the stories of, of these guys you know and um, the point isn't just that these were really amazingly skilled warriors the point was they went in t- with David and they came out in the newness of life and there was nothing that could stand before them there was nothing that's the point of those stories there was nothing that could stand before the ones who had joined themselves to to the cave there's this other story um, in, in Joshua and, and you kind of have to know the context a little bit but jo- Joshua is going through the land and, and, and he's going through and he's getting out everything in the land that is uncircumcised all these uncircumcised nations and kings in other words, all the flesh. He's removing all the flesh from the land, right? And he goes out into the land, and he and and um, let me just read some of it here. Joshua ten sixteen through twenty seven. Now these five kings had fled. These are the five uh, uncircumcised kings in the land that couldn't stand before Joshua. Again, Joshua is is Jesus. It's, it's the Hebrew. Uh, form of the name Jesus and uh, and Joshua was told uh, I'm sorry they hid themselves in the cave at Makeda I don't know how to pronounce these Hebrew words it was told it was told to Joshua saying the five kings had been found hidden in the cave at Makeda and, and Joshua said roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and assign men by it to guard them. But do not stay there yourselves. Pursue the enemies and attack them in the rear. Do not allow them to enter the cities for the Lord God has delivered them into your hand. And it came about when Joshua and the sons of Israel had finished slaying slaying them with a very great slaughter until they were destroyed. And the survivors who remained of them had entered the fortified cities that all the people returned to the camp 
to Joshua at Makeda in peace. No one uttered a word against any of the sons of Israel. Then Joshua said, Open the mouth of the cave and bring these five men out uh, to me from the cave. So they did, and they brought these five kings out from the cave. The kings of Jerusalem, the kings, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lashish, and the king of Eglon. And when they... Uh, when they brought these kings out to Joshua, Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said to the chiefs of the men of, of war who had gone with them, Come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. So they came near and put their feet on their necks. Joshua then said to them, Do not fear or be dismayed. Be strong and courageous, for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies with whom you fight. So afterwards Joshua struck them and put them to death and hanged them on five trees. And they hung on trees until evening. <laughs> I just thought that this is so so perfect. It came about at sunset that Joshua gave a command, and they took them down from the trees and threw them into the cave where they had hidden themselves and put large stones over the mouth of the cave to this very day. I mean, this would take, and I don't know where everybody's at who's listening to this right now, this would take a little bit of um, explaining to just show how incredibly beautiful and, and um, amazing this is, but that's what God does to the flesh. I mean, these are literal, his, you know, histories that happened, and and some people object to these types of stories because they make God seem like He's mean, or something like that. But this is an accurate and awesome picture of Christ's rule in His own land, in you, in you, in your soul removing from you on every uncircumcised fleshy king governor ruler in you putting his foot on the neck of them cursed is everything that hangs on a tree just like christ became a curse for us hung on the tree and was taken down at at, at, at evening and put in the tomb. This is exactly what's going on here. Christ became Christ plays the role of both the death of the Adamic man. He becomes that death. He's made a curse for us. He's made sin on our behalf. Crucified, put away, put into the cave. He also is the resurrection and the life, the one who comes out from the cave, as we talked about with David, with with a new body joined to him, the church. But in this story, all we're seeing is flesh. Flesh going into a cave, then being killed, hung on a tree, just like the baker was hung on a tree, the flesh, the baker, in, in Joseph's dream, I mean, in the dreams in the, in the, of the cupbearer and the baker in the, in the prison, hung on a tree, and, um, and then this guy doesn't escape the cave. This, 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 this flesh never makes it out of the cave. Christ, you are crucified with Christ. But then the next verse doesn't say, but then you came back and started living for Jesus. That's not what it says. It says, you were crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, there's life. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The flesh remains crucified the flesh doesn't leave the cave the flesh can't move that tomb that that stone out of the way it stays there and then what comes out is the living one the one who becomes the resurrection and the life of all who 
uh, all who receive him. It's not, I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I'm back. It's, I've been crucified with Christ, and now he's my life. Adam's not resurrected. Adam is buried. <clears throat> and he stays buried, just like these men. He's the thing that, that flesh, he's like the grave clothes of Jesus that Jesus folded up and left in there when he left. You know, he, The thing that Jesus took on, the seed of God who went into death, he took on a husk. He took on the husk of the entire Adamic man. He took on that whole sinful man. He became sin on our behalf. He went into the ground and just like any seed does, it sheds the husk and then the life comes out. The husk stays in the ground. The husk never leaves. But the life that's in the midst of it comes out, leaving the husk behind. All right, th th these, these kings, the flesh, these fleshy kings are the husk that don't make it out of the cave. They're the thing that, that, that uh, is rejected. Anyway, there, there's other stories here. I wrote down a few more. Uh, I won't go through them because I'm, I'm, I'm going to be running out of time if I don't keep going here. But... Um, Lazarus, for instance, I just, I just mentioned it to you. Lazarus in the cave, John 11, Jesus, John 11:38. So Jesus, again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Um, the stone lying over the cave thing—it's weird. You don't—you don't realize. I mean, everyone knows that there was a stone lying over the cave. Um, in, in the story of Jesus' resurrection, because we hear it at Easter all the time, whatever. But you don't realize there's a whole lot of stones lying over a whole lot of things, uh, caves or wells. In, in the Old Covenant, um, sometimes you see things being locked in the cave, like these five dead kings, or sometimes you see the stone rolled away and water comes out, like in the, um, like in the story of Jacob, when he goes and he, he rolls the stone off of this enormous stone off of the top of the well and feeds Rachel's sheep. And Anyway, the, 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 these are just things that... The, the the first time you see a stone rolled away from a cave and life coming out and death staying in isn't in the end of Matthew. That's not the first time you read about it in the Bible. That's like the 50th time. If you have eyes to see it, uh, looking throughout the Old Covenant, it, it, the pictures of it are all over the place. Um, and, and Jesus, you know, Jesus obviously fulfills all those things in spirit and truth. He becomes the reality, both of the flesh left behind and the flesh left judged of God and buried forever. And, and he becomes the, he's the water or the life or the, or the David or the whatever that comes out of the cave. He's all, he's all of it. He, he's the fullness of all of that. But it's, some, it's funny because, you know, Jesus, uh, I think about this sometimes because remember like when Jesus is walking on the road to Emmaus and, 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 and they're saying, um, you know, this, aren't you sad? And he's like, about what? And, and they say, well, that, you know, Jesus, we thought he was a prophet. He was crucified. And, and, um, and he says, oh, foolish men and so slow of heart to believe all that was written. And, and then he says, did not the son of man have to... Um, be rejected and be buried and after three days rise just as the scriptures said or, or something I mean I'm, I'm butchering the the, 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 um, the quote there but but it's something like that and and, and I remember reading that when I was a, a, you know a, a, a young younger I don't know maybe a teenager or something and thinking man I got to find that verse that says 
he will raise after three days in the old there's got to be you know and and there's a couple that you could i mean like hosea 6 is probably the most obvious one you know you know if you're not familiar with that one it's the one where he says like come let us return to the lord for he has torn us but he will heal us he has stricken us but he will bind us up after two days he will revive us on the third day he will rise us up that we might live in his sight let us know let us pursue to know but i mean that's not the only place there are i've never counted them but i, I would just guess between 50 and 100 um places where three days are extremely clear pictures of the of the cross of the death burial resurrection of Christ of wh- whether it's the judgment aspect of it the deliverance aspect of it I think the first time might be no I don't know I don't know what the first time is there's a lot there's a ton and uh and, and and I'm saying that just because you know you you can get to those verses and um and and you can and Jesus says did was it not written that the Son of Man must be crucified and rise rise on the third day and and somebody that's been in church for fifty years can say wait where was that written I don't remember reading that you know and and it's it's a it's it's in countless types and shadows and pictures um we've already got i don't know how many we've, we've already seen in this class i bet we've looked talked about a dozen of them at least maybe i don't know maybe more but um i mean just go back i mean just the one we did a couple days ago a couple weeks ago how, how you know they were in the dungeon and they both have dreams and and and, and then he says you know what does your dream mean well it means in three days you'll be restored to the right hand of pharaoh and give him a cup into his hand that he'll receive from you and the other guy says i had a dream too and he goes what's your mean well it means that in three days you will be hung on on a tree and 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 the birds of the air will eat your head you know and um I mean, that, that's just one from a couple of days ago there might have been even one more recently that was from two times ago i mean they're just all over the place and so is this cave thing and and if you think and if you think it's a stretch to try to make all these cave things or all these three day things point to something, just read them and see that they all have some huge view of the cross in view. They have some some unbelievably clear, uh, uh, you know, what does God say to Moses? You know. Take my people a three-day journey out of Israel, out of Egypt, that they may offer sacrifices unto me. Was it literally three days? No. Did it represent something that was accomplished in three days? Absolutely, it did. Death, burial, resurrection. That's exactly what it was. Three days. And after that, Egypt won't even exist for you anymore. Why? Because after those three days. I will close a sea and divide you forever from that land of slavery and death. I mean, the the the, the I, I don't know really why I'm on this tangent, but I guess it's, I guess maybe because every once in a while I bump into someone that says, "I you know, I, how do you, don't you think that's kind of a stretch?" Yeah, I would I would think it was a stretch if this is the only time uh, three days popped up or the only time a cave popped up in the Bible, you know, but. Um, here it is again and again and again and again and again you know and 
And, uh, okay, I got to move on here. Um, all right. Well, well okay, in, in Genesis 49 is, I don't understand a whole, a, a, most, of, most of this. Um, it's the time where, I'll just say a couple things about it. I wish I could say more. I really do, but I don't want to. I don't want to speak more than I've really seen here. Uh, jo Jacob's about to die. He gathers his twelve sons together, and he and he gives them a blessing. and And, and he says he says in the beginning that blessings have to do with the end. Um, how does he say at the end of their days or the? Um, let me look here in Genesis forty nine one. The last days. Jacob called his sons and said, Gather together that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. None of the things I think he mentions here befall, befell them anytime soon. I think he's speaking of these 12 tribes in ways that have their fulfillment in some ways in, um, in Christ or, or in, or in the, the coming of Christ. Um, a couple of them I think are pretty clear. Most of them to me are pretty obscure and I don't I don't I don't see very much uh, in them. I, I guarantee you that they're full of um, f full of meaning and, and I, I, w I wish I had more to offer you here but probably the clearest one is um, when he gets to Judah. And you know Judah is the he's the uh, well, it's the tribe. Well, let me, let me say this real quick. Everything points to Christ, okay? And 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 yet, Christ is Christ, and the eternal purpose of God in Christ is so big, and so so immense, so real that he he he's always dividing up things, and then and using, it's it's like dividing up things and and painting individual separate pictures of Christ and then kind of gathering gathering all the pieces back into Christ. Christ gathers all of that back up into himself. And, and we've looked at that in a lot of different ways. But I think he's doing more or less the same thing with the sons. Um, for instance, you see something of the kingdom uh, in, in, um, in Judah. Um, you see something of what it means for Christ to be firstborn firstborn in uh, in Joseph okay uh, he, he gets the double portion he's made the you know the the head over his brothers um, and it even says that the firstborn and I think it's in um, shoot I don't remember um, I want to say second Corinthians 5 but I'm not positive about that uh, where it says the first the the, the um, the the right of firstborn was taken away from Reuben and given to to jo to uh, to Joseph. You see something about the priesthood and Levi. God dedicates that whole tribe just to painting the pictures of the priesthood, which we'll get into in Exodus pretty soon. Which are just uh, it's going to be hard for me not to spend like a couple years just right there. Um, and 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 so what I'm trying to say is that that. God uses some of these uh, the, the tribes, and, he, and he, he he breaks down these things, and he and he paints. Very Christ is so immense; he's so absolutely. Um, I mean, he's so 
I don't want. It's not complicated. It's you never see Christ. I say this a lot, but I just want to say it again. You never see Christ and say, "Wow, that's complicated." You always see Christ and say, "That is unbelievable," and it's and it's huge. It's it's immense. It's enormous. And 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 yet, it's not. Never feels complicated. Complicated is something that um, that 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 happens in the brain. Um, but but bigness immenseness is is kind of like a a a reaction of the heart seeing something you know it's like you look at an incredible sunset and it's like that's that's amazing but is it complicated i don't know complicated is not the word i would use it it would take me a long time to describe it you know it would take a lot of words a lot of paint to paint it you know i mean but it's not really complicated it's just it's just it's just bigger than I could say in a couple sentences and that's kind of how how the father is dealing with his son so he, he uses the lead, you know whatever you, you could point out different uh, different sons in different ways and different times and um, <clears throat> Judah here is uh, is one of the, one of these uh, 12 little some some are really short I mean there's one of them he says like Dan is the son of a goat or something. I mean, it's, I, that's not right, but it, it's something really strange. And then it goes on to the next one. But some are, some are a lot longer. And uh, and, and here's here's Judah. So Judah uh, is Genesis 49, 9 through 11. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down. He lies down as a lion. You remember the phrase "lion," the lion of the tribe of Judah. This is where this is where it comes from, right here. Okay. He lies down as a lion, and as a lion, who shall rouse him? This is where it gets good. The scepter shall not. You know the 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 scepter, the 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 thing that represents rule, authority, kingship. You know, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. Shiloh. Now, Shiloh is is, is universally understood as a word that that uh, even by old covenant Jews as a word that. Um, uh, means um messiah it makes it makes reference to the messiah in fact some translations actually just say until he comes to whom shall be the obedience of the people um shiloh is just a, it's a it's a hebrew word that um it's from a root that has to do with rest and and peace and prosperity or whatever but kind of personified here and so um you know, speaking of it as 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 a as a person that's coming, you know, and and has always been understood as a as a word that has reference to the Messiah. So, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Messiah comes, until Shiloh comes, until he comes. To him shall be the obedience of the people, binding his donkey to the vine, and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. And there's just, I'm not going to pretend to understand all the language here. What I, what I think is really clear is that 
and, and, and at least this story, Jacob is saying to his one son Judah, "You're going to carry the king, the kingdom. You're, from you are going to come the pictures of Christ's kingdom. You're going to be the one that carries the scepter." And 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 we we all know that David, David came from Judah. Solomon came from Judah. All of David's sons, obviously, therefore, came from Judah. Judah was the was the one who carried <coughs> the <coughs> excuse me the kingdom until until the substance came. It, it's like the substance came, the fulfillment came, and took the scepter right out of Judah, the, the shadow's hand. And said, "I'll take that now. I've come, and the obedience of the people. Every picture of David, both his pic, both his d destroying of uncircumcised flesh, his reigning over his own people in peace and victory and in wisdom. Every picture you've ever seen in Judah. That's me. And so, just you can just pass me that scepter now. I'll take it." And and from now on, the obedience um, of the people belonged to me. And uh, I, I just I love that verse. The thing about binding the donkey to the vine. I've read a couple things, but I, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, the the uh, washing his garments in wine is very reminiscent about you know washing in the blood of the of the of the lamb or or the. Um, or, or even in Isaiah, where he treads down the nations, speaking, I believe, of the judgment of the cross, crushing, judging the nations, and splashing. It says, well, "Why are your garments red, like like you've been treading vines?" And he says, "I've come from the nations, treading down the nations, and uh, his clothes and the blood of grapes." Um, the tying the donkey to the vine, uh, you know, some people think that we're the donkey, and it's kind of like a, J a John 15 reference where, where like he he actually ties this donkey to his vine and makes us branches. He makes the donkey into, and that kind of goes along with Exodus 13, where it talks about redeeming the donkey by breaking its neck. But, um, uh, or some people say that it's just talking about the thickness and the and the power of the vine. It's such a strong vine that even a donkey, you know, couldn't break it. You can tie him up to. I I don't really know. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend like I, I know. I know what that's talking about. But anyway, there, there's there's some clear pictures there. Let's see here. I, I'm, I'm out of time, so I'm just going to maybe say okay. Just real quick, I'm just going to mention this one thing. The whole thing ends Genesis chapter 50, and this will be the last. The last thing we say about Genesis, and I'll stop. We can have comments or questions or whatever, but um, I'm just going to advertise this here, and we're going to get back to it in, in Exodus. Before Joseph dies, he says this, Genesis 50, 24. Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely take care of you and bring you up from this land to the land which he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely take <clears throat> care of you, and you shall carry my bones up from here. You will carry my bones up from here. So Joseph died at the age of 110 years old, and he was embalmed and placed in a coffin in Egypt. So Joseph, actually, for a time, 
is buried in Egypt. He doesn't stay in Egypt. And when he comes out of Egypt, he is in the midst of an entire company of, of people who are carrying his bones out. He was like, he was, and I'm going to talk about this in a lot more detail when we get to it in Exodus 14, but he was planted like a dying seed in this hostile land of slavery and then comes out later with a whole people joined to him making this exodus out of the land of of Egypt and 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 that that paints one of the clearest and coolest pictures of uh, the resurrection um, not 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 just Christ's resurrection, but the resurrection which Christ is. He is our resurrection. He is our resurrection from the dead, and uh, and we'll get into that eventually. But I just wanted to point it out here because here's the here's where it starts. That that whole picture starts right here, and and then you don't hear about it again until later and and halfway through the book of Exodus. So okay, I'm stopping with that. That'll end up uh, Genesis for us, and we'll. We'll pick up with, with Exodus next time.